Well, welcome to Gardening Talk, back on to and you are at FM, but Greg Richard joined by Scott Sharp once again. We had a bit of a break and we're back once again. Yeah, it's the, those long weekend days got in the way. That's a big shame. Did you do anything exciting at the long weekend? Oh, not that I can think of. No, it was all a bit, yeah. Just, a, it's a week ago now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, look, I think I had a sleep in. That's exciting <laughs> enough. <laughs> what have you got set for us today, Scott? Oh, I thought we might talk about a uh, strappy native plant, the dieti. It's out in flower at the moment. Uh, mangoes are also out in flower as well, so they get issues, especially when it's raining a lot. So we'll talk about them. And the Hunter Bromeliad Society, they have got a show coming up this weekend, so we might give some more information about that. Now, Scott, you mentioned something about mangoes a little bit earlier. We've got to be a bit careful with them. You do. They're a yummy, yummy fruit, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love them. Who love doesn't them. love a mango? I know. you got to have the old uh, paper towel, the bib. Actually, I use a tea towel. That's my favourite thing to eat a mango with. They are a bit messy, though, aren't they? They are. They are. How do you, I, I do the old cross hatch. Have you got a particular way of... That's how I do it. Yeah, the cross. Yeah. It's cut down the middle till you get to the husk or wherever it is. Yes. And then curve your way out. Yes, okay. And then, yeah... It's sliced up with a... Okay, so you're not a, like a spoon scooper or anything no, like no, that? No, no, spoon scooper, no. no. I prefer the old husk and turn it inside out yeah, and then yeah. Yeah, make a total mess of myself. But at the moment, you're probably seeing them all out around town. They're all started to come out and flower. That's really good. There's plenty of moisture in the ground, so they're loving that. So I reckon we're going to have an absolute bumper crop of mangoes in Newcastle and the Hunter this year. But because it is raining and, you know, as it starts to heat up, they do suffer from an anthracnose, which is a fungal problem on their flowers. So if you want to ensure you're going to have your bumper crop, you have to uh, duck out your mango tree uh, now and start doing some preventative spraying. Otherwise, the flowers just turn all black and and go all yucky and then they just drop off. And then if you do get any fruit on it, that anthracnose fungal disease just continues down into the fruit. It can also affect the leaves of the plant as well. Uh, so a really good idea to get out and spray at the moment. You need a fungicide. Uh, you can either use Mancozeb Plus or copper oxychloride. Uh, right. They're uh, typically powders you mix up uh, in some water and then you spray that on. It puts a protective coating on there and it will uh, you know, stop that anthracnose or minimise it as much as possible, uh, getting into the flower and then into the fruit. And uh, if you do it right, um, you know, maybe, you know, once and then another couple of weeks time, you'll have some yummy, yummy mangoes ready in, uh, you know, month and a half, uh, two months time. Beautiful. Mangoes in a month and a half, really? Oh, well, look, they're, they're fairly slow. Uh, actually, where are we? So, yeah, look, I, I would be think around January, you'd probably be starting to pick them once it really heats up. Right. Yep. Because it is still a bit fresh at the moment. It certainly is. It was very fresh yesterday. I'll... Yeah. I think it's going to be very fresh again this evening. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 you RFM. If you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call, 49216216. And we've got Kevin from Patterson, and his passion fruit is losing all of its buds. Sounds like a dangerous situa- situation for Kevin. <laughs> Mate, how can we help you? Uh, I've got a passion fruit vine, and it's... Um... Getting but it's got buds on it. Yes, but there there's a few of them that come out, but the rest of them are sort of coming out. Then they're just drying up and falling off. Ah, okay. Look, for that I would be doing a, a two-pronged approach. Firstly, I'd be using lots of uh, sulfate of potash in the soil. It promotes healthy, uh, you know, fruiting and flowering. So it just yep. makes them stronger. Um, look, obviously there's plenty of moisture in the ground at the moment, so I, I don't think that's going to be the issue. Uh, also giving it a spray like I was talking about the mangoes just before with a, a fungicide might be helpful for you as well. Yeah, right. I just yeah. thought it was because there's no bees around. 
Look, that's not the reason for the flowers dropping off. It, it might well be that the reason that you don't get a great pollinizer, you know, you know, pollinator, and and that they uh, you know form the fruit. Um, yep. But uh, you know, I, I think using that sulfate of potash, uh, it, it just generally makes them stronger. Uh, so if the plant's getting stressed for any reason, that's what it will do. It will, you know, it will drop its yep. uh, it'll drop its flower and its fruit. Um, yep. So yeah, just try and use that sulfate of potash. Uh, it builds up in the soil over time. Uh, and it will just make your flowers much stronger. Still plenty of time in the season, Kevin, so don't be worried that this is happening now. Yeah, there's a lot of little buds just starting to show up on it, but the ones that are sort of big enough to sort of open up are just dropping off. Yeah, and look, at the other so, thing, as um, you know, um, Greg just mentioned, it's it's still very, very fresh out there and very cold. And, uh, yeah. you know, so we get these, you know, few warm days, lots of sunlight, um, and you know the the plants go oop you know they're they're triggered off they go yep we uh, it's time to go you know with flowering we're going to get some fruit on us soon uh, and then whammo along comes a really cold night uh, you know a whole lot of wind like we had over the weekend and they're going to drop their fruit uh, and uh, and flowers at that point in time so it, it's just been variable it's been up and down so I, I think that's uh, you know that's also a reason um, that you could look to uh, for your passion fruit uh, dropping its flowers. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Okay, thanks for the call, yeah. Kevin. Appreciate it. Right, bye. And we've got Richard from Curry, and he's got a question about tomatoes. Good afternoon, Richard. How are you going? Good, good, mate. How can we help you with your uh, tomatoes? Um, I've got raised garden beds, and I got organic soil from a local soil place and put that in. The trouble is the the, the um, tomatoes that are in there, as opposed to the ones that are just in the ground, they're all starting to go yellow at the bottom, and they're only about half the size. They're only about a foot tall. So is there something lacking in that soil, or has the rain washed it out? Or no, I think it might be the other way around. How long ago did you put that soil in there, mate? Um, probably about three months ago. Yeah. Okay. So look, what what happens with uh, you know your, your mostly soils that you get from your garden centres and landscape supply places? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not no slide on them or anything, but what they do is they use a lot of chicken manure. Um, to sort of pack them out and to um, you know give them organic matter and and that's look that's perfectly fine it's you know it's inexpensive it's it's plentiful around here so uh, you know that that's why they use the uh, the old chook poo um, but the the thing with it with it is it's actually quite alkaline and your tomatoes don't like that they prefer a slightly uh, acidic soil. Uh, so what I'm thinking for you is, A, probably grab some of that soil, take it down to your local garden centre. They should be able to do a pH test on there, on it for you. Uh, you can also get pH testers uh, you know, at your garden centre if you want to have one at home just to use all the time. Uh, now, if it is too alkaline, what you're going to need to do is start adding in uh, some sulphur, uh, and you can mix that up and just water it in around um, the uh, around the plants, uh, and that will just start to uh, lower the pH of the soil, so it'll make it more acidic. And for tomatoes, you want it to be around about uh, either neutral, about seven, yeah. or uh, down a bit lower, around uh, you know six and a half. Getting down to six is probably getting a little bit too low. So if you can get it to hover around that six and a half mark you're going to do pretty well um, growing tomatoes in there uh, look the other thing that might have happened as well new soil but you know three months is quite a, a period of time i'm thinking it might have been still a bit fresh as well a little bit hot that's what i like to call it and it might be burning your plants but usually that manifests as you know the outer leaves you know up the top starting to burn in like from the outside in um, so look, I'd, I'd be more inclined to think that it's uh, they've probably used a lot of uh, chukpu and right. uh, that it's very alkaline. So you might just need to make some a rectification for that. Terrific, Ann. Can I just ask you one question? 
when we, hopefully we do get fruit on them, the malathon for the fruit fly, can you tell me how do I, what do I do with that? Do I mix it in water or? Look, you do mix malathon in water. Um, but look, I, I just um, would say use some pyrethrum spray to keep the uh, fruit fly under control as a spray. Um, it's a little bit softer and safer to use around the place. And for your malathon, mix that up and make some traps with a little bit of Vegemite. Yeah. Uh, you sort of mix it into a paste into, you know, those plastic sort of takeaway yeah. containers, put some holes in there. Uh, hang them around, um, you know, the area. The female fruit fly gets the smell of the uh, of the Vegemite, um, and like all, all good Aussies, loves the uh, loves the Vegemite. In it goes, but it's of course it's mixed up with the malathon, and um, it has a, a you know a feed on it, and then it you know it just drops dead. So you start collecting all the fruit fly in those containers, um, but otherwise just do a general spray with pyrethrum because um, you'll get rid of you know any thrips um, or any other you know sort of sap sucking insects that might be lurking around as well. Thanks very much. Okay, good on you, Richard. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Bye. We've got Sue now from a Diamond Beach, and she wants to hard prune a mango. Hello, Sue. What 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 are you looking to do? Uh, Scott, we we bought we bought a house at Christmas time that had a, to my delight a mango tree down the back and a fairly big one. Uh, but I've since heard that uh, it doesn't fruit well. It has the brown on the leaves. Um, and it's quite high up. The branches are quite high up. It's a nice canopy, but too high to pick the fruit. Mm. And I was wondering, um, can we prune it back like you would a, a citrus tree, you know, that's got too old? And can you prune it back hard, or do we risk losing it? Oh, no, you don't risk losing it. I've, I've certainly pruned back mango trees really hard. Um, they're, they're very prunable. It's actually a really nice soft wood, and it um, smells really nice as well when you prune it. So um, you can certainly do that. Um, I'd grab some uh, SteriPrune. It's a tar-based paint um, from your local garden centre. You wipe, you either spray or paint that uh, onto the wounds where you've done the pruning, and that seals it all up quite nicely. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. So you can certainly do that. And like you said, um, when you've got a big, tall mango tree, a big, tall citrus tree, all the fruit's up the top where the flowers yeah. are. So you can't get it. Um, often it just starts to fall off um, and hits the ground and you get fruit fry, fly problems. Oh, fruit fry. <laughs> there we go. You don't fry your fruit. Your fruit. Um, and you, so you get the problems with those. And uh, I guess you also get bat problems as well. Uh, and it's very difficult to net. So if you do get it down to a nice manageable level, you can spray. You can spray for the anthracnose. You've got the, like you said, you've got the black on the on the leaves. Uh, yeah. You can spray for those fungal diseases. You can net the plant. Uh, and I think it's just a, a much, you know, it's a, a tree that you can keep down nice and small. You'll still get plenty of mangoes off it and they'll be much nicer than the ones you're probably having to pick up off the ground, um, you know. And, and yeah, and they're all over ripe and yucky. So I think, yeah, give it a hard prune and uh, make sure you seal up those wounds. Is there a time, is there a time frame? Like, should I let it go through... It, it's had like lots of gentlemen earlier, lots and lots of flowers, but they've all just been coming off because it's been quite windy, the rain, and I thought it might have had that um, that disease that affects the leaves as well. Um, but I thought, do I let it go through its fruiting season this year and then cut back after it's it's fruited, or do I can I cut it right back now and do I re, re, remove all the foliage? Uh, Look, that's, that's really up to you. Um, cutting it back now is not going to harm the plant 
uh, in right. any way. It's just going to cut off all the fruit, so you won't have anything for the whole That's season. Fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Otherwise, just let it go for the season. As soon as you know the mangoes have you know finished, then give it um, you know a nice hard cutback. Um, but look, yeah, certainly don't be worried about pruning it back now. In fact, it might even be better because you know any new growth you get on there would be hardened off before we get to that January February period. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really is a six of one, half a dozen, um, uh, you know, yeah, the other type situation. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been troubling me, <laughs> and then you here you are. So that's perfect. Let Thank let you it so trouble much. you no more, Sue. You you can go out and either prune or uh, let it fruit to your heart's content. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Appreciate that. Thanks, Sue. Bye. And we've got Sandy from Weston, and she wants to treat pests in her veggie garden. Hey, Sandy, how can we help you? Oh, good afternoon, Scott. Um, look, new hobby. I've taken up doing the veggies, um, a veggie patch with a bit of everything in it. But I've just noticed the last couple of days, especially the cucumber plants and the beans, that they've got little pieces missing out of out of the weeds. <laughs> yes. So I was reluctant to use the snail pellets, but I've put a few of them around, but it doesn't seem to be making any difference. Okay. But- Quite possibly, uh, you know, are snails uh, because they uh, they move faster than you think, in fact. I'm always <laughs> surprised at how quickly they move. And there's little baby snails out there as well. They're, you know, they're almost translucent, um, but they've got a pretty big appetite. Uh, so, look, doing the uh, the pellets, uh, yeah, not a bad idea. The only thing I'd suggest is maybe getting, uh, you know, some old ice cream containers or plastic containers, cutting a little snail door in there, um, then put the, uh, you know, the pellets in a little, um, you know, saucer or something under there and then put a brick on the top so that, uh, you know, any uh, uh, blue tongue lizards or anything else, you know, can't get in there and have a, have a crack at the... That's what I was worried yeah, about. Yeah, at the baits. Oh, and the birds and, you know, we have a lot of magpies coming in the yard and I was worried about the wildlife, yeah. Yeah, so look, I think probably the, the magpies are a bit cleverer than that, but I, I think the old, uh, you know, the old snail house um, is not a bad idea. It, it just stops, you know, you just feel better about it. Um, you know, nothing bad's going to happen to your, you know, your local animals, you know, your blue yeah. tongues, yeah. So, yeah, yeah just yeah, cut a couple of little snail doors in there, a brick on top, and um, everything will be fine. As far as just any other general spraying, I would suggest if you don't know what it is, um, just use a gentle pyrethrum spray on there um, because you don't want to be harming the bees. Just try and do it when the bees aren't around. Okay. Uh, and yeah. yeah, spray with pyrethrum and that will keep any thrips or uh, you know aphids or anything like that generally under control for you. Uh, you know, leave the big guns for later on if you need them. Uh, you know, malathion and those sort of harder chemicals. If yeah. if something really bad's come along that you need to get rid of, um, that's when you sort of pull out those ones. Uh, at the moment, if you're just doing some general, you know, preventative spraying, I would just use pyrethrum. I did notice um, a slug on a daisy bush, Scott. So, yes, uh, so slugs and snails should be using the same method for them. Same you, thing. Yeah, you can also get uh, snail sprays as well. Um, so I think with that, you just generally spray it around, not necessarily on the plant itself. Um, you could do it on the trunk of the plant, but not on the soft leaves. Um, and, and that spray keeps the, uh, the snails at bay as well. Lovely. Thank you so much for your help, Scott. Okay, thanks for the call. Have a nice afternoon. Bye. Thanks, Sandy. Bye.
We've got Doug now from Talara, and he thinks he may have put too much ash on his hibiscus. Oh, self-diagnosis. Doug, what have you done? Uh, tried to get divorced, and I think it <laughs> nearly worked. <laughs> oh, not, not good. Let's see if we can help you and, uh, and guide you away from the, uh, from the family law courts, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just some hibiscus and um, camellia. I put some ash around it from the fire inside. Yeah, okay. But I put way too much. We've scraped it off since, and yes. we've had all the, all this rain. But the plants have they've got new shoots on them. But yeah, it's really rocked them. Yeah. Look, unfortunately, and it, what what did you put them on? What particular plants? The hibiscus and the camellias. Yeah. Okay. So look, that they are plants that like a slightly acidic soil. Um, you know, around that six and a half. You know. To neutral seven um, pH, yeah. uh, mate. Ash is incredibly alkaline. It's probably one of the most alkaline things that you could put um, on a plant. Um, so you know, the, the, I reckon if you had the pH tested, it's going to have gone you know sky high. You know, up around you know nine, ten or so. Um, we've had all that rain. It's washed down through the soil. The only thing you can do is go and, and get some sulphur. Um, as you've, you've done all the right thing about you know scraping it all the way, but yep. now you need to get some sulfur and try and bring that pH back down to that uh, six and a half seven mark again. So a pH test, um, I think, is probably going to be a little bit cheaper than buying you know going and getting a lawyer as well for you for your divorce. <laughs> uh, I'd probably go and buy a, a pH test kit. Um, just start testing the soil. Start grab that sulphur, start watering that into the soil. You just sprinkle it around. You can then water that in. Um, you know, you wait a few days, go test again, and just bring it down in stages because you don't want to put a whole lot of sulphur on there, and uh, you know, take it far, you know, down too far. So that's exactly what you're going to need. Um, just keep on watering the plants, try and flush anything through. No fertilizer or anything, um, and uh, good luck to you. Beautiful. Yep. All right, save me plants, save me marriage. Thank you very much. Yep, you know the old happy wife, happy life, so um, go, go uh, for I try, it. I try to do that. Good stuff. <laughs> Righto. Okay, good on you, Doug. Thank, Thank you. Bye. Bye. It's back on 2NURFM. We've got Irene from East Maitland, and she's got orange stink beetles on a citrus. Oh, they're out early. They are out early. Irene, what's been happening? Oh, I got rid of them. Oh, how'd you do it? Soapy water. Ah, and where, where did they go? Did they um, did they just get unhappy and go away, or? Well, they've disappeared. My entire tree was orange. Yes. With the bugs, and I bought a container of weed and feed that fits a nozzle to it. So I used the weed and feed on my lawn, and then I filled the container with um, soapy water. I just used laundry detergent, mm -hmm. and mixed it up, and attached the hose, and I sprayed it about. Oh, once every few days because we'd had so much rain, I felt it washed off, and and they've gone and they have not come back. Oh, that's fantastic! Because you know they are a really difficult thing to get rid of, and we always love to hear people, you know, when they ring up and uh, give us some, you know, different, um, you know, ideas, you know, a little bit out of the box, and that's a good one. So just the the soapy water being sprayed um, over the uh, over the plant because. You know, I often give the old Hoover one, you know, you get the vacuum cleaner, an old vacuum cleaner and go and suck them off the plant. Um, because I, I like, you know, recommending easier, you know, and, uh, you know, 
suggestions where people aren't out there spraying, um, you know, really harsh chemicals because unfortunately stink beetles can be, um, you know, difficult to get rid of and some of the chemicals you use aren't good for the bees, you know, and you want them to pollinate the plant. So soapy water, thank you. That is a great um, way to try and keep them under control. Um, yeah. It worked for me. But speaking of bees, yes, well, I have got a large um, flower garden that at the moment is just full of my beautiful Shirley poppies that the bees love, and there's not a bee in sight. Yeah, that, that's not good at all. And I wonder if that might have uh, something to do with the old mite problem that, uh, you know, was detected around the harbour here in Newcastle and, uh, you know, all the hives were destroyed. So uh, well, that's what I'm thinking. I've, yeah. I've got some native bees. I've got the blue banded and the little ones, but not, not a, a, an ordinary bee. Yeah, so look, fingers crossed that uh, you know the uh, the beekeepers get uh, back on their feet again and and get the hives and the honey uh, flowing again. Well, usually the poppies reseed. They're they're my little um, pride and joy. The poppies will they reseed if I haven't got bees to pollinate? Look, they will reseed, so don't don't be concerned about that. Um, yeah, look, hopefully you'll just get you know something like the native bees you're talking about. Um, you know, hanging around, but poppies are very resilient um, and hopefully they will recede for you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call, Irene. Bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Bill from Wall's End on the line. He's Cinefano in Forest, Bill. Hello, Bill. That's, that's pretty handy, mate. Yeah, I thought it might make it easier for you, Scott. Um, I'm just wondering what that growth is on the tree that you've got in the yard. Look, I... In looking at it, I, I, it looks like your bark's being eaten away, and I think you must have a borer of some sort there, and that's just the frass of the borer um, doing all that damage. Um, what sort of tree is it that you've got there? What tree is it? Yes. I'm not sure. You might know from the bark. You'd be, you'd be able to identify from the bark. <laughs> oh, I, I, I can't quite. I'm sorry. But uh, look, Bill, Bill sent in a, a great photo. Um, we love his work. It's made my life you know, somewhat easier. Um, and, and the bark seems to have like all this, this frass and it looks like it's being eaten away. Um, that, that's, that's, look, that's my feeling that there must be some sort of bore in the plant. Are you getting any sort of sap or anything weeping out of there, Bill? No. What, what's happening? It's killed about half the tree and I've had to trim that off yes. and it's killed it dead black you know it's really killed the tree half the tree off and i trimmed that off took a while to trim it off because the tree originally was it's been there a long time i put it in a long time ago and it would, would have been about 12 feet high at one stage at least and quite wide um anyway i trimmed about 40 50 percent off the tree and uh it was you know it was just completely dead and then i found that that like a frazz, as you say, on the yeah. outside. It's, it's very soft and fluffy. Yes, look, I'd like describe it as a sawdust. Type yeah, look, thing. and that's what I think it is. And you can see um, where the bark has been eaten away in places, um, and you know, then the the frash sort of peels off that, and you can see that um, those sort of holes there. Look, what what I would do is grab, uh, you know, some sort of insecticide. Have you got anything in the shed at home? Um. I have got some stuff, but I'm not sure what you'd use on it. Yeah, okay. Look, I'd get some malathon and uh, generally just drench that all around that where that frassy area is. Um, yeah. All you know, all over the plant. Let it run down the trunk and see if that doesn't get it back under control. Um, look, eventually, I, I think you would want to get some steriprune. It's that tar-based uh, paint uh, and sort of 
paint over where those wounds are uh, to try and um, seal them up so no further incursions happen. But you definitely need to, you know, do a really good drench um, ink spray um, all through that frass um, and try and get this under control. What's it called? Steriprune, is it? Yeah, Steriprune's the paint, uh, and, and yeah. I'd suggest get some Malathon. Um, this, this is one of those times when I'm saying, yes, get a you know slightly sort of harder chemical and, and get in there and get the job done. Um, yeah. Yeah, so just yeah. all you're really doing is spraying the trunk and soaking it into that frass and the areas where we think those borers might be, those weevils. Yeah, yeah. Well, I removed the frass first. You think, or brush all that off, or? Oh, look, you, you certainly can do that, um, but I don't think you'd really have to. I think you can just drench and let it soak down through that frass, and uh, and it'll get the insect that's in underneath there. Yeah, that malathion is that the same stuff you use in in construction for borers in the house? Uh, yes, it would be. Um, uh, look, the only thing is that you can only buy it in, in a domestic um, sense, um, in quantities, so you just have to go to your local garden centre and grab some there. Yeah, I think I've actually got some of that in the shed. It's quite quite strong, quite poisonous. But... Yeah, look, now, the only th- trouble with doing that is you might not know, you know, how to mix it up for a smaller amount um, because often yeah. when you get, you know, large commercial amounts, they want you to mix up, you know, gallons or, you know, sort of megalitres sort of thing and, and to try and work that back down to a smaller amount can be quite difficult. So uh, right. you don't know how long you've had it there as well. It's quite possibly out of date. Um, I've got this rule of thumb. If you can't remember when you got it, uh, chances are it's out of date. Um, I think I've got some jam or something in my fridge, a bit like that. <laughs> uh, but so, look for the for the sake of it, I'd just duck down to your local garden centre, uh, get a fresh batch. Uh, you, you'll know you're mixing in, you know, ratios um, from the uh, the packaging on those, and uh, just do the job, uh, you know, that way. Right. Okay. So you think it's a borer? I I, I do from those photos you've sent. Yeah. Yeah, would you know what sort of borer it would be? Look, I, I don't, I'm afraid, just from the photo, but it'll be some type of, you know, borer weevil more than anything than a large insect because um, it's only just nibbling away and taking that sort of that cambium layer, that outer layer of the bark off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but malathion is, yeah. a, is a general all-purpose insecticide um, that will get rid of any beetle or um, caterpillar or, or weevil like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can I ask you another question about lavender? Yes, absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of French lavenders, or I'm putting a row of French lavenders down the side of my house, and um, I've got a couple of French lavenders there that I've had in for quite some time. They're about a metre round. They're quite, they look quite fantastic, actually. Yes. And uh, at some stage, I'll have to trim them back um, because they're getting to the end of the stage, I think, at the moment. Um, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, how long before you start to trim them back and and how far do you trim them back? Yeah, look, you can't prune lavender back very hard. Um, if it's sort of woody um, down the bottom, if you prune into that, I've, you know, lavender generally will die. Um, lavender's a plant, in my experience, that you just have to prune small amounts and often and just sort of keep on nibbling back to keep it nice and fresh. Uh, right. But if you go and hard prune a lavender, uh, nothing surer than it will just uh, keel over on you and, and die. Right, okay. All right, okay. I've had it before, but this one seems to be very successful. It's quite, quite large, and uh, um, I'm just it's getting a little bit too, too big, sticking out in the driveway. So I was yeah, well, do you certainly give too. it a prune back, but um, as I said, if you over prune lavender, um, yeah, big problems. I've, in my experience, it will just um, yeah, you know, carcass okay. on you, unfortunately. All right. 
Well, thanks very much for your time, Scott. Okay, thanks for the call, Bill. Okay, bye. Bye. It's Guarding Talk back on 2 and URFM. Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time for another week, but you meant to say about the Bromeliad Society. Yes, the Hunter, yeah, the Hunter um, District uh, Bromeliad Society. They're having uh, an annual show Saturday the 15th. The, yep, that's this Saturday. That's this Saturday. Now, it's on up at the Hunter Botanic Garden, so you can sort of kill two birds with one stone here. Uh, uh, yes. You can go and have a look at the Botanic Gardens. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 and you can also have a look at the really, really nice bromeliads. The Botanic Gardens are, of course, up the uh, Pacific Highway at Heatherbray. Now, this show is between 11 and 3 p.m. It's uh, free entry. Um, they're going to have barbecue and scones there as well, so, you know, probably a good reason for you and I to head up there. It's a good there. combination. Love it. <laughs> uh, but look, they're also going to have plants up there, um, talks, so... Uh, Fantastic event, Saturday the 15th between 11 and 3, Hunter District Bromeliad Society. They are the most amazing plants and these people in this society know them back the front, how to propagate them, uh, how to get them to flower and just generally how to look after. So if you want some tips on uh, bromeliads, go up there. These are the people to talk to. Absolutely, they are the experts. I'm just thinking about putting scones on a barbecue now. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the 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 jam and the uh, the uh, cream and melt too quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Scott Sharp, thank you very much, and we'll catch you again for Guarding Talk back next Monday. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at twonurfm.com. dot